And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Welcome back to 1% Better. This is Zach Kiefer, joined by James Boyd. We are back from Houston. Early flight this morning after a interesting, wild, strange season opener down in Houston yesterday. Nine years on the beat, never covered a tie. Your first game on the beat, you covered a tie. How weird was it to walk away out of the stadium having not covered a win, not covered a loss? It was really weird because, as you all know, I have a basketball background, so I'm not used to seeing any ties. There's always a, a victor and a loser, so that was weird. And even thinking back today, it's like the Colts are undefeated, but they're winless. <laughs> It doesn't feel like they're undefeated. I know, but it's not as bad as a loss. But to no, me, not. it In felt like a loss. Not. It was just weird. It was a weird game. I think EJ Speed told you, like, this is bullshit. Like, yes. And Mo Alley-Cox was like, let's go back and play more. I, w- I want to either win or lose. That was a weird, weird sentiment in the locker room from a lot of these guys. They were they were befuddled by this, and I, frankly, I don't blame them. Absolutely. I mean, you talked to to Frank after the game just briefly when he was you know leaving his presser, like, "Hey, have you ever experienced a tie before?" And he's like, "No, not really." And that was pretty much the same exact thing for everyone um, in the locker room. You know, Quiddy Pay was like, "It's a bummer." Pittman saying, "It's it's weird. I don't know how to feel." And, you know, even Jay Naheem said it was like a weird, toxic relationship, <laughs> like he was getting broken up with and back together with her. And- yeah. And JT's <laughs> like, you know, we can't just go out there and keep playing, you know, otherwise you massacre the sports a little too violent. You know, he's always like the smart guy in the room, not even like in a sarcastic way. I mean, he's just thinking like, hey, it's a reason why we can't do this in the regular season. But even he's like, I don't know how to feel. This is weird. And he had a great game, so he should feel like he won them the game. But he did enough to he not did. lose them the game, if that makes he sense. He did. So did Pittman. Oh, anyway, I watched the tape this afternoon and have some thoughts. But I want to get into the news of the day, and I think this is what's going to happen this week. We just heard from Frank Reich, and I asked him point blank off the top, are you guys going to work out some kickers this week? How do you feel about Rodrigo Blake and Ship? He missed the 42-yarder that would have won the game in overtime yesterday. And not just that, the kickoffs were two kickoffs out of bounds oh in the fourth quarter in OT. That, that's almost worse in my mind. But anyway, I asked Frank, and now Frank always, always, always gives his guys a vote of confidence. Even in 19, with Adam Vinatieri missing all those kicks, it was Adam is our guy, Adam is our guy. That is not what we heard today. That is not what we heard today. My takeaway was they are going to work out some kickers, and there's a very good chance that Rodrigo is not the kicker on Sunday in Jacksonville. What did you come away with it? I believe the same. 42 yards in a dome against the Houston Texans. You have this season. Make the kick, dude. Make the you got to make it. That's your Not job. saying that. The explanation. Yes, and I, that's what I was pulling up on my phone, you know, talking to him after the game about the kick, his breakdown of it, and he said, I didn't make contact how I wanted to. I didn't really hit the ball square and had kind of a lazy follow through. So just need to kind of get back into film and review that and make sure that we make the correction for next week. 
a lazy follow through. Use any other word. That is, you do not say that out loud, please. That can't happen. You're right. You're 100% right. And, and Rodrigo did say, it's my job to make that kick and I didn't make it. He did say that. But it just didn't come off the right way. And, and for a little bit of context here, the Colts can't count on their kicker. They haven't been able to count on him for three years. He made one game winner against the Packers his rookie year, but he missed a 33-yarder, which is essentially an extra point in the Buffalo game. And that was big in that game. That was big. That was a playoff game, and he missed that. And then we know what happened last year in Baltimore. He was trying to make some big kicks and warm-ups and pulled his hip, and one kick would have won that one. They collapsed. Now, that wasn't all on him. The defense couldn't get a stop against Lamar Jackson. The offense couldn't get a first down. So context is important. This one feels like the nail in the coffin to me. That's my opinion. We'll see what happens. Some old friends are still on the street right now in terms of free agents, including the kicker last year. Money Badger, Michael Badgley, is a free agent right now. And so is Chase McLaughlin, who was the kicker in 19 after Vinatieri. My absolute expectation is they bring these guys in. Now, Frank said he's going to meet with Chris Ballard today at 545, and they're going to map this out. But I think, I think, this is my opinion, it's dereliction of duty if you don't make a change. You can't go on the rest of this season with a huge question mark at kicker. It's a disservice to Matt Ryan and Quentin Nelson and Shaq Leonard and all these guys. And Matt Ryan and JT and Michael Pittman, they won you the game as far as I'm concerned yesterday. They pulled you back from a 20-3 deficit. Those three, with the help of the offensive line, the defense made plays, the Colts won the game. And we can get into the first three quarters, and we will, but the Colts won the game, in my mind, and their kicker blew it. And that's unacceptable. And in this league where so many games are decided by two and three and four points, you can't live like that. Like, this is going to happen again if they stick with if they stick with Rod. And, and, like, what's your hope that it goes differently? That's the thing. It's like when you see something repeatedly over a number of years, you look at his numbers, look at his averages. They not, they're not on par with, I would say, even the slightly above average kickers. I got the numbers. You ready for Go them? ahead. 45 for 56, 1 for 4 from 50 or more, 15 for 19 for 40 or more. But since 2019, and this isn't just Rod, the Colts are the sixth worst kicking team in the league. And that's, you know, before that, for the 20 years before that, they had Vinatieri and Vanderjagt, and they were probably top five every year. It's a problem. And they it need is. to address it. And I know, like, on technicality, they're technically tied for first place in the AFC South. However, these... Hang a banner. These, <laughs> <laughs> these types of performances and outcomes could come back to bite you in the end. Like, seriously, if we get to week 17, week 18, and a tie against the Texans is why you don't make the playoffs, I mean, my gosh, will this look so much worse in hindsight? So we can also get to the beginning of the game. I thought it was awful. It was horrible football by the Colts. There's no other way to put it in my mind. I will not hold back in that regard. Everything looked bad to me, except for... I mean, JT looked good early. Pittman looked good throughout the entire game, both of those guys. But they kept getting down, getting yardage, you know, putting together drives and then coming with no points. I thought that the Naheem Hines direct snap, like Wildcat call on, what was it, fourth and one or fourth and two at the goal line was an awful call. From the two, yeah. I thought that was awful. I was like, why are you being this, I don't know, just overthinking it in a sense. It felt like you have the best back in the league. Just punch it in. And and I truly, maybe it's just my novice football knowledge. It's like 
if you can't rely on your offensive line to get you two yards with the best back in the league, what are you doing? I mean, I mean, I mean, what does that say about the confidence you have, not in JT, but in that operation? So it was a weird game. Man, I've said that. I've said that like three or four times the last couple of years. So I'm going to counter that. When I woke up this morning, I thought I was with you. That game felt like what I watched the last time this team played in Jacksonville. They were inept. They were poorly coached. They were getting outplayed. They were getting out-toughed at the line of scrimmage. All of that. And I watched the tape today. And I didn't come away with that thought. Now, Frank Reich got a little annoyed with me yesterday in the press conference when I, when I asked him about the sloppy football that we watched in the beginning of the game. And he didn't like the word sloppy. And I stood by that. It was sloppy. And I'm not excusing Naheem Hines' fumble, the way-too-cute call that you just talked about on fourth and two. Run it behind your big offensive line or just take the points. EJ Speed's running into the kicker. Matt Ryan fumbled three times. For God's sake, you're a 15-year veteran. That's inexcusable. He's not absolved of blame here. We'll get into Matt in a minute. The defense didn't get any rush with their front four. But the difference was they were moving the ball. They were moving the ball well. They marched down the field with a 66-yard drive, a 53-yard drive, and they put themselves in great position to really end this in the first half like they did last year. And I was surprised that I was thinking that I thought they were terrible yesterday, and, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, they were, they were fine. And then they just made these stupid, stupid mistakes that you can't make. And like I told Frank after the press conference yesterday, that's how you lose games, and he completely agreed. So that's what decides these things. Like That's where these games go. And I thought the worst of all, and I haven't mentioned it, is Alec Pierce's drop in the end zone. That was a great across-the-body throw from Matt Ryan to buy some time, and he threw a dime in the corner of the end zone, and Pierce just straight dropped it. And that was, I felt, when the game changed. That, for some reason, you know, the Colts didn't, you know, they didn't capitalize. They didn't score and, on that drive, just, you know. They didn't score, and it just felt like from there – the Texans had some belief. And they, frankly, they dominated the second quarter and the third quarter. And so before that, I felt like the Colts were playing pretty well. They just made some mistakes. They, you know, shoot themselves in the foot. Andrew Luck used to say boneheaded mistakes. He would hit himself in the helmet. They just kept doing that crap over and over. And then the second quarter and the third quarter, the Texans dominated. How much are you taking from the fourth quarter? Because the Colts dominated. And Matt Ryan lit it up. And they couldn't stop JT. He looked so good. He looked even better on tape than he did in, in person. They couldn't stop Pittman. And in my mind, they won the game. The offense got their kicker a chance. They were on the 34, and then they lost eight yards, and that's significant as well. But removing Rodrigo's miss, the offense pulled them back and won the game. So now it's my turn to go on the other side here. I hear everything you're saying. I agree. But you're playing the Texans. You're not playing anyone that's good. A good team you don't walk out Puts of. Puts you away. Everything JT did, what he was supposed to do against a team like that. Everything Michael Pittman Jr. did, he was supposed to do against a team like that. Now, granted, I'm not taking anything away from them playing well because you're going to play who's in front of you. But, I mean, it took you three quarters to wake up and look like a competent oh, football team. It looked like a Jacksonville hangover. And as far, as far as everyone saying, you know, things were different with the, you know, starting training camp, a little bit later and, and, and modifying, you know, your schedule, all these things, you came out sleepwalking again in a season opener, knowing you have this sort of this monkey on your back. 
And now you're in this weird no man's land of like you ended the losing streak, but you haven't ended the winless streak. That's going to mess me up forever. I hate it. I hate it. I'm with you. I don't know if I brought some bad like juju or something or what. It's weird. And I know the fans out there that are listening that we're watching on Sunday, like I tweeted this mid game, like why does every season opener feel like I'm watching the same game? Because that's what it feels like. I do want to get your opinion on this. So I talked to Mo Ali Cox in the locker room, and Mo's really good about being just, just really candid about stuff. And after we talked about the tie and the weirdness, he was like, listen, like I know it was bad, and I know we were asking ourselves what the hell was going on in the middle of the game, but the things we did are very correctable. And I do see his point on that in that regard. I do think Matt Ryan's not going to fumble the ball three times a game. If he does, what what are you doing? And we can get into this, but Frank Reich, We've talked about this a lot on this podcast over the years. Frank Reich gets too cute in the red zone. He did it in Buffalo in that playoff game a couple of years ago, and it cost them. And it's almost like he's trying to outsmart the game. And like you mentioned a minute ago, you've got an $80 million left guard. I don't know what Ryan Kelly makes, but it's above $10 million a year. Run it behind your horses. Give it to the best running back in the game. And if you can't get two yards, you can't get two yards. But trying to run a wildcat direct snap, and it was a great play by Greenspan. The, the the left defensive end, I watched it again, man. He totally, you know, faked going with JT, who was the decoy, and then and then bottled up Hines. But man, like you stop getting so cute in the red zone. And that just feels like when those things happen, there's sort of a spiral effect. And it really it was like a two quarter hangover for this team. Yeah, I thought it was really weird. And you know what? Things did not look much better until EJ Speed came around the edge and smashed Davis uh, Mills and, you know, jarred the ball free. DeForest Buckner recovers it. They're back in business. And that started like the whole comeback in the fourth quarter where they were able to survive, I guess. But without EJ Speed forcing a fumble on that sack, they lose that game just from like a, like a time perspective. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. EJ Speed, of all the people, to make that play. His first career um, sack. Lost in all of this. It was his first he, career sack. He hit, he hit Davis Mills hard. Oh, yeah. Here's another concern I have walking out of that stadium. And, and the tape might have swayed me a little bit, but, boy, middle of the second quarter, middle of the third quarter, it was a huge concern of mine. This offense has two players. You know, let's, let's remove the quarterback. They got two studs. They got two weapons that are going to be pro bowlers this year and, and Pittman and Taylor. And then what do they have? Do they have a tight end? I mean, Mo caught three passes. Doolin caught three. Naheem had six catches. Now, he's going to be used more as a receiver this year than a running back. He only had three carries yesterday. Matt Ryan was the second leading rusher. Michael Strawn had two, and we mentioned Pierce's drop. How do you feel about the receivers after 60, 70 minutes of football? Yes, yeah, 70, the crucial 70, <laughs> where no one wins. But I think that it goes back to what we talked about previously. You were banking on all of these guys stepping up all at once. And quite frankly, the two groups that everyone had the most questions about the O-line, the wide receivers looked like the most questionable groups. I am not that confident in the wide receiver room. I'll just be quite honest. I do think that the Alec Pierce drop can mess with your head. Now I'll see how he bounces back. I'm not saying that's him personally. However, if it does affect him, I would not be surprised. Like that is, a monumental mistake. You're expected to, to, I mean, I think the phrase Chris Ballard uses, like they're going to grow up fast. You yeah, did not grow up. Grow up real like, fast. And, and, and I mean, I don't know, maybe adversity builds character, you know? We'll find out. We'll find out if, if Alec Pierce is what they think he is. It's one game. You don't want to overreact. I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but JT was essentially benched like five games in his rookie year. He's been okay since, you know, he's been okay. He's bounced back. He's won the rushing title by 500 yards last year, but Going back to that, yeah, Pierce deserves the blame for the drop, no doubt. But the Colts do as well because they were banking on an unproven group to step up. They needed everything to go right. It's week one, but Paris, Strawn, Campbell, Doolin did not flash for most of the game. And it's very obvious that they want to go to Pittman and only Pittman. And that's not going to work against good defenses. It's good against the Texans, who didn't have an answer. But when you start seeing good corners in good schemers in terms of defensive coordinators and head coaches, that's not going to work. And it couldn't help but cross my mind yesterday that T.Y. Hilton would have caught those passes. I know people don't want to hear it, but the dude would have caught those passes, and they were very stubborn. And this is a black hole on Chris Ballard's resume right now in terms of he's never addressed the receiver position like he should. And if this continues to be a problem, that's, that's absolutely on him, and there's no way around it. Just a quick mention here, Doolin had a drop as well. It was not as clean of a drop as Alec Pierce, yeah. but you got to snag that. I personally thought that, you know, I even asked Paris about this today. I'm like, what do you do to help out Pittman? What do you do in the wide receiver room to help him out? And he's like, he gave me this really vague answer about 
Uh, you know, I think we all bring something to the table. That's what makes us great. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you're not great. Pittman's great. The rest of you are not great. It did not look like that at all. And again, it's just one game. But I would have liked a little more. And I'm not, you know, attacking the guy. But I do think that there's going to be some tougher questions, not from just me and, and the rest of, you know, reporters, from the people around you, management. Like, if you guys do not produce do you have a job? You know, is your career going to be what you want it to be? I mean, you cannot, in my mind, go throughout an entire season with Pittman being your only reliable option. Cause as we've said, and I'll say it again, they're just going to double him up. He's not going to catch it and they'll force somebody else to beat you. We saw for years at TY's prime, they would just erase him because he would get double and triple covered. And it, it, it's 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 the way the the league is going right now. It's receiver heavy, and if you don't have one or two or three guys, you're in trouble. Need and a dupe. The Colts are two dimensional in terms of Pittman and JT, but but Hines is a weapon. We don't want to take that away, and I don't want to ignore the fact that in that fourth quarter and in that overtime, those guys made plays. Strawn, who didn't even have a training camp, came on, made a big third down catch. Paris Campbell had a big third and eight catch, and Doolin made some plays. Was it enough? No, absolutely not. And you can't disappear for three quarters and show up at the end. But they did show a little bit of life at the end. And I was I was more impressed with it today watching the tape because these guys got open on big plays. They were three, four yards of separation than yesterday. But um, I'm with you, man. It's a concern. I've been talking about this with JMV for like six months. And I've been on page and I've, I've been on record saying that they didn't do enough and it's going to bite them in the ass. We'll see what happens. It's It's one week. But again, like you mentioned, it's the Texans. Like, it's the Texans. Like, they're the worst, maybe the worst roster in football. And you're not going to be able to do all this and come back if you if you don't show up. We should hit on Matt Ryan. We have to say this at the top. Dude can't fumble the ball three times. You're a veteran quarterback. That's what rookies do. You lost one of them. I don't really know how I feel about the interception. I watched it today. It's a bad throw, but it's a really, really good defensive play. Jerry Hughes, former first-round pick of the Colts a million years ago, made a hell of a defensive play. Matt took ownership of that and the fumbles. Removing those things without ignoring them, he looked really good in my opinion. He was really sharp. I think he airmailed one to Doolin on the sideline, but I didn't have a problem with any of his accuracy throughout the game. Good decisions, got them in the right plays. And really just got the ball to his playmakers, right? He got the ball to Pittman in space, and he got the ball to Taylor. And and those three, in my mind, along with Nelson and Kelly and those guys in the line, Braden Smith didn't have a good day. But those guys were the guys that spurred this comeback in the fourth quarter overtime. Those guys, including Matt Ryan. I mean, he showed me something at the end. Did he show you something? Absolutely. He looked poised. He looked like the game wasn't over. And it's very easy to except that the game might have been over if you're down 20 to three. Yeah, he was walking up and down the sideline, yelling at the linemen, saying, we need one first down when they were down 20 to three. That tells you something. Yeah, and then you get that huge play from EJ Speed, and they're rolling. And it looked like all was going to be, not forgotten, but forgiven in a sense because they were going to pull it out. I wouldn't forgive it. I wouldn't have forgiven them. No, no I mean, like, you know, not from us. But, but like I mean, in like, the win-loss win column. column, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, which like, is all that matters, Yeah, I don't right? know. But you can't forgive Good teams play. win when they don't play well. It was, a, it was a trademark of the Manning years and the Luck years. Colts wouldn't play well, and the quarterback and maybe one other guy would just sneak out a win. And it didn't mean they played well. It didn't mean they deserved it. But you got to win when and you don't play And that's the thing. Well it's like, league. who cares about what you deserve if you just get the win? Right. Like, the and league is, hasn't done yeah, that the last couple years. the league's not about what you deserve. They just haven't done that. They've found a way to lose 
or tie when they haven't played well. And that's this that's what separates very mediocre teams with with good with good teams and playoff teams. And so that's what they're going to have to figure out. But I I do feel encouraged by what Matt Ryan brought at the end. And I think he'll I don't think he'll be fumbling the ball three times a game every week. No. And one thing I do want to touch on as well is the left tackle situation. I thought, you know, Frank had some interesting things to say today about Matt Pryor, Ryman, not alternating, but rotating some. And he's like, that's something that we're going to do in in the weeks to come. It just depends on the amount, you know, depends on a week to week basis. And I'm like, I think the writing's on the wall. Yeah, I think it is, too. However, it's like, man, do you want to just go with someone and get some continuity or do you not want to throw too much at two left tackles? Do you not have one left tackle? Right. That's the question. It's like, it's not, I don't know. It's not, you want to have the same five out there every single time, all the time. Oh, ideally. Right. I think it's a matter of time until Ryman takes the job. He saw 16 snaps yesterday. Some of those were in the the plus package, but he did see some snaps at straight left tackle. And I thought he played well. And I got to give this dude credit. He wasn't ready at the start of training camp. Like he wasn't ready to play in this league and he has worked and he has improved and he's got something to him. And I think I think that they have hit on this pick, and that's very important because they've been looking for that guy since Costanzo retired after the 20 season. So, you know, that's we'll see what happens, but they're going to keep rotating Ryman in there, 10, 12 snaps a game. They said Matt Pryor did a good job. He, he, he struggles with speed off the edge. He struggles with speed off the edge, and we, should, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the other tackle. That was the worst half of football I've seen from Braden Smith in his – four-year career. He's terrible. He's terrible. He can't do that. Not when you're making that kind of money and not when then you're on the edge right there. Like It's going to get tougher when you play some some of the best edge rushers in the league. I mean, hey, you're going into Jacksonville next week. They've got some dudes over there. They've got your number down there. He got he got worked in week seven, week eighteen last year down there. So got Carson hit a couple times. I'm very interested to see. I know you won't be there, but I will. I'll, I'll take the, the the bullet on this one. <laughs> maybe that's the thing. Maybe if I don't go, the Colts will win. Well, maybe we'll if see. I go, it'll be a tie again because I mean, forty years of 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 you know, uh, what is it? No, thirty eight years I think of Colts history where you know a tie never happened and I joined the beat. And if you go um, down there and they tie again, then you should. I'll just stay in Jacksonville. This. You know, I don't know. Uh, that'll, that'll be my that punishment. Means. But in all seriousness, they cannot lose that game, in my opinion. No, it's not a must win. I don't want to do must wins in week two. I've covered enough one and four and one and five Colts teams that still were either in the playoffs or on the verge of the playoffs to know that it's it's a long season. It would just send the wrong message. It would just it just would be the wrong start when you've got KC coming in town. Yeah, got to not have a win and you got Russell Wilson going into that. To not have a win. Yeah. Now, it helps yesterday that the Titans lost, but the Colts, in my mind, they had the game won. They played very poorly for three quarters. They had the game won. Their kicker didn't finish it. That's a problem. And whether we see Rodrigo Blankenship on Sunday remains to be seen. But there's a chance Shaq Leonard plays Sunday. Frank Reich seemed to hint that that was a possibility. Shaq traveled with the team to Houston, got treatment, was on the sideline. You know, that's usually an indication that he's close. I don't know if he plays Sunday, but uh, he's going to practice this week. He needs to make some progress in that regard. But boy, that would pick up their spirits. I didn't think Zaire Franklin was bad. They played a lot of three linebackers because they wanted to stop the run. But boy, 53 back on the field would change everything. I really do think it it would change everything. Yeah, I think energy-wise. From an emotional standpoint as well. Yeah, I mean, he's arguably the best linebacker in football when he's out there. 
So he's the heartbeat of the team. Yeah. I mean, you get him back, you get, you get some swagger, some mojo, some stuff that you can't teach. And then obviously you just get a dude that has a knack for getting the ball back to you. So I think these guys are tired of this Jacksonville thing. I think they're frankly just fed up with how poorly they've played. The fact that they can't beat one of the worst teams in the league. Now they, now they got to do something about it. I mean, I thought they were tired of season opening losses, and apparently, I guess they were, you know, but <laughs> you have to perform better. I mean, whatever happens, you cannot come out that sluggish, that soulless in a sense. It just was a weird way to start the game and looked like an entirely like you different said team. this morning, I think we had breakfast at like 6.15. Yeah, that was, was early. Are the Colts a serious team or are they an unserious? Very unserious. We're going to find out Sunday if they're serious or unserious. But we got a lot coming this week on The Athletic. Our colleague Bob Kravitz is digging into the Rodrigo Blankenship story today about what comes next. There's a couple guys on the street that might be an option. James is going to hit on the offensive depth, whether they have more than Pittman and Taylor, and maybe Hines as well. Um and I'm going to relive the hits, right? Relive all oh, those man. weird games in Jacksonville over the Have years. Fun. I've had some interesting conversations <laughs> with the guys in the locker room about that. And they said some funny and interesting things about just weird matchups and weird results. And for the fans that have watched those games, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. So busy Monday, strange way to start the season, but we'll be back all week on The Athletic. And James will be in Jacksonville on Sunday to see if the Colts can finally, mercifully stop the street. So for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. Thank you for listening, and we will catch up with you guys next week after Jacksonville. 